Episode 23 of the Coins R Us podcast. The whole crew is here. We are back uh, after a disappointing, I guess. Was it disappointing? Loss <laughs> at home I mean, versus Liverpool. Yeah, the, the result, result was exactly. disappointing. Um, it's funny because, you know, we spent the majority of, of this season and even the majority of the last episode talking about how good are we really? And, you know, we're not really looking that great, but we're getting the results. Um, and it felt like the Liverpool match is a little bit of the opposite of that. We're like, we did look like we knew what we were doing, um, but didn't get the result. So, um, yeah, is, was this a disappointment or is this maybe a good thing that maybe like it, it looks like we're starting to put it together a little bit and Kulisevsky's back, which we'll get to in a second, but like, Jesse, what was your takeaway from yesterday's match, uh, yesterday's loss? First off, we're going to call this the Erickson episode. Shout out 2-3. Been looking to replace him since he left and still haven't. Um, but I think, yeah, it was the opposite. So all of the, the people, including those on this podcast, were like, well, we're, we're getting good results. We just don't look good. Are you happier now? Some of you, I hope that you are. Um, because we looked good, especially in the second. You know, some of the best stuff that we put together. I think the decky. Uh, impact is like you couldn't write that like if that was the script writers we'd be like no that's too on point we missed this guy clearly we're missing the, the connection the attack who's feeding Kane and within two minutes of coming on both subs that the pass that that opened Decky up to open Kane up for the goal was delivered by Doc so it's kind of like you know a like Conte buddy make the sub sooner let's see what happens you know before the 70th or whatever that was made yeah and it was we missed Decky as exactly as much as we we thought he did so super um, not disappointed. I, I, I voted or I, I, my prediction was a draw. I think the match played out like it should have been a draw. And if not for, uh, I was watching at the, at the bar with a very British guy. Um, and, uh, he was just going to say words. I'm not going to repeat on the podcast, but one of them, he said that I would when Eric Dyer messed that, uh, that back pass headed back pass up was just like, that's some schoolboy stuff. Like that's, how do you do that? Like at this level and, and, um, it's Dyer's second mistake in what as just over two weeks. I think he was he was pretty especially with a head that big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and like his head has been in, incredibly frustrating lately. Like because he had two or three pretty good looks in the Sporting Lisbon match. Um, in the Sporting game and didn't finish those. Not that we're expecting him to be banging those in all the time, but we do expect him to freaking play a very basic pass back to the under no pressure back to your. Um, to your keepers so disappointed in his effort um but uh overall no i i, I was i was expecting a loss hoping for a, a draw and it would have been over the moon um with a win but uh i think yeah it was it was it was good to see um decky back and and like come on like what is what is doc doing like he's at least good for 30 minutes if he's still struggling to come back he brings so much more to the table than uh than emerson does to, to your question, this is a uh, both things can be true because obviously that that uh, the result is disappointing, but hugely encouraged by the performance. Um, like you said, especially the second half, it was another repeat of what we've talked about, where we just kind of phone it in for the first half or don't show up, I should say, and then I uh, really get kicking once we get to the second half. And we knew that if that was we tried to take that approach against Liverpool, that's pretty dangerous. Even the, this current Liverpool, which really doesn't look at that. Um, like a, a great team either. Um, so 
just echoing what, what Jesse said and every, everybody knew is that, man, we missed Kulisevsky so much. And it was just huge to have him back. And then Dyer, the playmaker from that, that uh, right center back. I mean, he whipped in three or four crosses that were pretty, pretty dangerous looking. Yeah. Um, I like him trying in that to, position. Yeah. Long and long leg, middle. Long yeah, leg was good. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I mean, can you imagine if that was Dave, the, you know, Sanchez in there? So what'd you say? No, Jesse? I can't. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's uh, having those two on the right side, Emerson and Sanchez, is just disaster. So I'm glad that at least Conte's finally coming to terms with that, it seems like. Um, and, yeah, it would be great to see Doherty get in there earlier. Um, and, yeah, I would, I would, it would be really interesting to see now uh, Dyer, Doherty, and um, Kulisevsky on that right. Because uh, Dyer can, can – some of those long diagonals were coming off as well. So I – I, I did like him in that position. I just don't think it, it probably isn't not going to continue though. Once Romero comes back, that's the one downside there. Yes. Uh, speaking to the Dyer on the right, I, I feel like you guys like it more than I did. I thought Dyer just doesn't have the pace to play on the right side. And, and a lot of times it, it showed up because Nunez, like I saw it a lot this match where he was in behind Dyer quite a bit. And that's where I think, someone like Romero with more pace is just better on the right side. Even Sanchez has more pace than Dyer to get back, I think. So I think that's why, like, if if we're going to be, like, playing up and if we're going to be on the ball, then I think he can be, he can do well on the right side. But when, I feel like when we were under the cosh and when Liverpool did have more of the ball in the first half, I don't think Dyer looked as great out there. So that's, that's like my personal opinion. I, I, Frankly, so maybe just play Dyer uh, against lesser opposition, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but then yeah. Emerson might be good for that too, playing from that right center back position. Yeah. I, I feel like there's, you know, to me, let's try something. Um, but and and this today was trying to see what Dyer looked like. And I, I felt like with someone when we played with someone that had more pace, it looked like more of a problem. Um and I would I don't even think like Nunez is the fastest guy we'd see out there either. So um for now, with no Romero, it's probably the best option based on what you can do in possession. Um, I think that's helpful. Uh, but yeah, you just can't make those kind of mistakes. And like, I think even maybe this is me being harsh on Dyer that even the first goal, um, the way that goal happens is so you you have the ball coming down on the on the left. Well, actually, so it's coming down on the right, and both. Um, you know, Nunez is making a run. Emerson has the guy on the wing. Dyer goes to double up. Nunez goes in right behind him. Salah also makes the run, but because Nunez is the one that's closest to the ball, Longley moves over. So Dyer doesn't check his back shoulder to pick up the guy behind him. Longley then tries to reposition himself for that. And the rest of the defense doesn't flow in. But the first mistake was Dyer not checking his shoulder. And to me, I'm like, Emerson has the person on the wing. He's proven to be a decent defender. Like, worry about what's your job to worry about. Worry about your spot. And I felt like he was, in the same way that Chelsea scored that goal, we were so overloaded to the right. And boom, they're in acres of space because guys haven't made the rotations. And it's it's just like with any defense, like, you have to you got to check your shoulder if especially if you're the right center back you have to make sure that nobody's running behind you because your central center back is going to try to get someone else more central to the goal and when and 
to me, that was like, he's not used to playing on the right. He's not used to doing that. He hasn't done that in years. Um, and so he, that, that was disappointing. And to, to have two goals given up on very, very cheap things is disappointing. And that's where I feel like the team has let us down in the last like few weeks is we've just been giving away goals on individual errors. And well, the, yeah, there's a few things that you said there. One of them is about having to play somebody when Romero's out. And for me, Romero is not, I mean, he's a, he's a great defensive player, but he's not someone that I'm relying on because, you know, it seems that he's out just as often as he's in. So, um, I mean, in terms of reliability and in terms of like the players that I can count on to be in my 11, he's like, you know, the opposite of Hoybier, right? Like who's the guy who's there every single game and that you can pretty much guarantee that he's going to be able to play. Romero is kind of like he's just making guest appearances. <laughs> so I do think that we need to have, if it, if not Dyer, some other solution on that right side for when he's not playing. In terms of like giving up the goals, I mean, I think the interesting thing about it is the fact that we do seem to sit back and take a more defensive stance until the other team scores. And then we push forward and try to score, um, which is a really odd position to take when your defense isn't very good. So it, it's almost like you're, you're guaranteeing that a goal will be scored at some point, usually in the first half. Um, and now it's going back. I saw a stat yesterday. I can't even remember it. I wish I had saved it, but it was basically saying that like, I think it was the, like the sixth straight game in a row where we conceded in the first half um, and then were forced to come back into the game. We weren't able to complete the comeback yesterday, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I mean, to Jesse's point, you talk about Spurs fans complaining about the way that we looked. I mean, yesterday we lost, we looked better, but we still made the same mistake of not playing until we're losing. Um and, and and as far as Liverpool's concerned, like they didn't really look that great for what I can tell. I mean, we pretty much dominated the second half. We only scored the one goal after Kulisevsky came on. Uh, but Paris hit the crossbar twice. Um, there was a, a header from I think it was Longley that hit the uh that hit the side post. Um, so like there were opportunities that we could have scored. Liverpool hasn't won had not previous to yesterday won a home uh, an away game all season um here comes dr tottenham like we all expected um well can so we talk like, about the refing there i mean because we should have had at least one penalty and yeah that's two. true that's true I, that, that, that yeah that's that Sinyan push yeah that was an extended arm shove from the back i don't see how that doesn't get called a penalty and then the uh, or at least I mean, reviewed yeah, well, that's what I'd say. I, I mean, apparently it was reviewed because right? I think almost anything in that situation <clears throat> gets reviewed. I didn't really hear him talk much about it. That was kind of the one of the things I thought was more odd. But yeah, there was also Luke a handball shout that it looked like they didn't review either. Like, or if they did, freaking do a better job of telling the broadcast audience at home where a couple of pretty serious things that it would have would have been nice to at least for the for the broadcast to talk about. Right. Same thing when Lucas got was, kicked in the head too. Yeah. And they also didn't – I don't really think they brought that one into it either. And then there was also the the one where uh, Hoybier just got kicked across the legs. I mean, it was a, like a high kick up by his knee or a thigh. Yeah. 
I just don't get how the ref missed all those things. Well, I get how the ref could miss things like that. Like, fair enough. It's a fast game. You're not always in the best position. You don't have eyes on the back of your head. Well, he was, he was the bad. Bar sh- the, the bar should bad. be, t- the bar should be seeing that stuff though. Cause I know Jesse and I had a little exchange yesterday about um, that, you know, that maybe Sessnion oversold his and Lucas undersold his and fair Lucas enough. Lucas didn't sell about- his at all. Right. And I, and <laughs> I, and hit I the ground on that baby, you got to hit the ground. I, Right, and I think that's a good point, but I think that that's for the referee. The VAR should not need a, a player to exaggerate their the contact to see it because they have the replay more angles than what we have as the viewers, and everybody can see that that's at least contentious. And then the other thing I would say that would make sense is if you guys have watched any rugby ever, you can always hear them consulting with the VAR. I feel like they should you should hear that stuff so that you can at least hear what their thinking is on that. Like, how is that not a penalty is my question. I would love to hear the explanation. I don't think the FA wants that. To be it, honest. it was just more transparency, though, because I mean, so it's so frustrating. Oh, I, to have I no agree with you. What, what I don't think they there. want to be transparent because they know the system stinks. Like <laughs> you don't want transparency unless you know that what you're doing is effective and strong. And I don't think they could say that it's effective or strong. So why would they want more transparency? All it's going to do is make them look worse. Well, how are they able to pull it off in rugby then? I don't know. I don't watch rugby, but I mean, they that, must be better at it. That's every sport, though, that's like that, where you don't really want the, that to be a broadcast out there. But some of the refs might, because, again, they think if they think their reasoning sound, then they should be able to explain it to us. It's funny because um, I was talking to my dad last week about handball and, like, why are they calling it? Why are they not calling it? Da, 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 da. I don't even remember what play he was asked. It was, uh, I think it was like a, I don't even remember. Some, it, there's so many now that they're all getting jumbled together. Um, but I was saying to him, like, th- th- there is no, there's handball rules that are in a, that are in the rule book, but there, there aren't any real rules because from game to game, from ref to ref, they all call it completely differently anyway. So what, there is no actual rule then. Um, it's really all up to individual refs from game to game, how they're going to call handballs, how they're going to call penalties, how they're going to call offsides even. Like they're, all of the rules feel very subjective. Um, and I think VAR hasn't helped, right? The entire purpose of VAR is to try to add more objectivity. But now all you're seeing, and we could talk about, you know, the Harry Kane offsides against sporting is a perfect example. Now it's just people being subjective about where they're going to stop the tape, where they're going to draw the line. What part of the handball is handball? Is it part of the action or not? So like you're still, you're creating these spaces to have more objectivity, but you can still be subjective in how you apply them. So it's not really actually helping. Yeah. It's pretty frustrating. I, uh, I just I feel like some of these things to me that 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 shove in, in Sessignon's back just felt clear cut. <laughs> I mean, I would have been no, I mean, yeah, it would have been a, it, it was a stupid penalty to concede, but I just don't see how in any way, shape or form that's not a penalty, at least to the point where it doesn't get talked about more. And I know I'm biased, obviously, but I'm pretty sure if I saw our player do that, I would be like, "Ooh, man, we got really lucky right there that that wasn't. Yeah, they definitely got lucky. And we were t- it seemed like we were targeting Trent. Uh, especially early in the game. Yep. They were going a lot to that left side. Um, and it's funny because it, it, it did feel like we were forcing the action with Sessignon, but I I don't know. I wasn't convinced that that was really the way to go. Um, Trent is... He had that uh, one really nice cutback. That one for yeah, Paris. Um, yeah. 
but I also just feel like, especially with the center backs that they had back there, um, who were they playing? Um, it the was, Van Dyke. Van Dyke. Uh, the other guy. Kanate. Um, Kanate. Yeah. I mean, for me, he was like, he was probably man of the match. Um, they were having a really difficult time getting past him. Um, and I just don't feel like Sessegnon is that creative of a player to be able to like boss a defense to keep feeding him the ball like that. I didn't really understand that. Um, but hey, like I like like you said, he 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 got us a penalty and they didn't call it. So hey, what do I know? Yeah, and it's it was it was frustrating because I watched the Man City match the day before um, when they played Fulham, and there was a very similar sort of like saw that and yeah uh man city player got sent off got a red card like penalty boom it was that simple like there, it was even a question the day before and so it that's this to is me not the a man frustrating city podcast but i thought that was unfair <laughs> for the double jeopardy you mean or the call at all the call was soft to begin with especially for the double jeopardy i mean like what are we doing like that's again i don't want to lose sleep or i am not losing sleep over man city getting punished but that's that doesn't feel very fair, especially for a, a foul as soft as that was. So yeah, I'm not I, saying I'm not saying the red card, but I feel like it was a similar push to what happened with Sess. I don't feel like there was that much of a difference between those two fouls, honestly. But this is so, what I'm saying, right? Like the the rules only exist as much as 100%. they get called. So yeah. So I to me that no but rules. I was basically just <laughs> saying to me it's the like the inconsistency across even like in match. Sometimes you got to be like. Get it together. Get it together, refs. Like, we shouldn't be talking about these things, though, because, like, we should have played better. And we shouldn't be relying on the ref to do his job, apparently. Um, but, like, yeah, I felt I I was very negative earlier in, in what I was saying. But I do want to say that I'm not as negative about what I saw. I came in that way, but I really do think we showed a level of performance that we haven't seen all year. That's the best and, we've looked all year for sure. That second half. Yeah. I even think for, I mean, it's Liverpool did score early, so they started to play a little more, but I felt like even in the first half, I didn't think it was like from a lot. Usually I think we don't have any intensity in the first half. I don't feel like we didn't have intensity in the first half. I don't think like we lacked that much in the first half. I just think we made two dumb mistakes and that was pretty much the first half, but I felt like, they did have a lot of the ball, early. but it, that's, <laughs> that, and that's what I said. They, the they did, they did score pretty early. So I was like, I started with my caveat with that, but um, yeah, I, I think even down a bunch of men, we've showed that like we can play better and I hope they just use this as a springboard to go forward and continue to play like that from the start. How many times can we ask for we it? We should just start the game. Just give it to Larry. Wouldn't that be just nice? Have to just see boot that it directly into games. our goal, oh. and then just <laughs> then just do that. Just you know, just just kick the ball into our goal. We just start the start the game down a goal, and then we could actually play for eighty nine minutes. <laughs> Who knows? It might work. Um, did you guys see uh, the comments that Conte made after the game? Um, I was seeing some clips of it this morning. Um, you know. He has said this a number of times, but basically saying like, you know, this is not a team that's ready to win things right now. Um, we're not where we need to be. It's going to require some patience. They were asking him also about, you know, fans booing. Um, and he said like, you know, I get it. They pay money to come here. They want to see a performance. But like the fans need to understand where we are. 
Um, this is not a short-term project. It's going to take some time. Um, and we just need to have a little patience. And, and I, I'm curious to know like what you guys think about his comments, but also about the booing, right? Uh, I, I was talking, uh, uh, it was a way, way match. I can't remember which one. Um, I think it was a Champions League game and, and, and you could hear the Spurs fans so loud. It almost sounded like a home game. And I was saying like, wow, like we definitely have the best away fans in the league. <laughs> and my buddy Tony, who I was watching the game with, said, yeah, but we have the worst home fans. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, uh, you you might be right. Um, so I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about us, you know, being down two goals at halftime and then the whole home stadium is booing? Like, you don't see that as much. I don't feel like um, with other teams, maybe that's because they're not always losing at halftime, but it does feel like our patience is really thin for a team that in a lot of ways is going above and beyond what was expected of us. I feel like it's, it's fairly common for the big teams. If they're down going into a, a half at home down, I think that almost any of them boo. I personally would not boo with my own team unless it, I can't, I'm trying to think of a scenario that would actually make me boo my own team just because that's just not how I go about things. But I also I think it's worse at the new stadium because there's more people. There are probably fewer diehards, um, or the, the ratio of diehards is thrown yeah. out of whack a little bit. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. Because I feel like this did not happen nearly as much at White Hart Lane. We probably have a slightly more entitled fan base now, just because we have had more success over the last five seven years. But um, yeah, I, I I think that a lot of it is just like I said, fewer diehards in there, more people that are just you know, willing to, willing to boo because they, they don't have as much actual concern for the team so much as just their own experience there that day. And it, like we said earlier, it was disappointing to lose the game. Um, and I know that obviously this came at halftime, but during that second half, it just, it was so much more fun to watch that game than any game this year so far, pretty much. Yeah. That to me, it felt, I mean, obviously I would, I wouldn't necessarily say I would take that over the points because in the long run I would not, but for yesterday, I was pretty happy with it. I think it's a fan's right. They paid for the ticket. Um, they're they're allowed to boo if they want to. I've booed my own team um, at home. I've booed my own team on the road. I was at a Guardians-Yankees game booing, uh, I forget who, which which Yankee, probably Aaron Hicks, uh, at the Guardians game. And like I, my wife was like, stop it. And I'm like, I freaking <laughs> drove two and a half hours to come here, and he's going to play like this? Like I'm going to boo him. Like I bought this ticket, and no other Guardians fans are going to tell me to stop booing, so you can't. Um, but yeah, no, I think it, it, it not only is that uh, all the reasons that you said, but also, I mean, like this is despite the results haven't been better whenever, you know, that, that tweet that I think you all, you all shared that we'd, it's our fourth straight Premier League game that we've been down 2-0. And I think most of those have been at the, uh, you know, at halftime. So this is yeah. sports is, is an escape for people, right? Not everybody. There's, there's a lot of people in that stadium, a lot of people in all stadiums that, don't have a happy life that don't, you know, um, uh, that, that, uh, you know, aren't in love with what they do or don't, aren't, aren't happy. And this is the, the entertainment that they can have where people scratching a couple of nickels together to get any seat in the stadium, even if, they, you know, not to say that everybody, that only the people that are, that are booing are miserable, but this is the form of entertainment. And, and this is, you're spending your hard earned money on it, or you're spending your last couple dollars on it, you know, 
or you're 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 bringing your kid there and and trying to be like this is going to be fun and like I'm 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 paying for something I have expectations so I get why people are booing you know it's it's it's, it's it, sports is an escape and an entertainment for everybody and um so I, I'm okay with that you know I don't I don't same thing I wouldn't probably I don't think you know boo depending on how many how many pints I had pregame um after some of these games I might but you know um I wouldn't boo it in this situation. I'm already obviously on the record of, of being fine booing in other situations, but I think it's a little bit of that of just, you know, people expect something and there is a little bit of, of, of spoiled, you know, like we're, we're not in the golden age of being a Spurs fan, but we're in the best age, best run of years of being a Spurs fan in a very long time Yeah. in terms of like quality of players and, and those kind of things. Obviously it's been a long silverware drought, but um people are getting a little maybe soft of not remembering even 10 years ago that, you know, we were Martin Joel and Redknapp and not, not, you know, and, and making the champions league was a, Oh my God, that's our greatest season. Not what people think it is now, which is like almost a birthright. Yeah. I'd, I'd say like, I'm, I'm not like pro or anti booing. I don't boo my teams. I might boo them at home <laughs> like mentally, but I, I just don't think there's any point in me booing a team personally um because me booing them is not going to get them to play better it's going to be their there is absolutely no point i'm not arguing you with that there's (laughs) no point in booing just makes me feel better but i i say that's why i don't do it because i don't think there's a point to it if i felt like what i did changed their behavior i might um i don't i don't feel like it helps so i don't do it i'm also not going to be mad at someone else for doing it it's disappointing when you like when you see it i think it is a little disappointing when i see other like people boo teams because i'm just like ah, like i say i don't get it but to each his own and like i feel like the acoustics in that place are is is so much better than any other place that i feel that like one backfired yeah the booze i do <laughs> i do booze, think you really end up ring. hearing <laughs> you really hear them like now nice nice so nice, I, loud and I feel clear. like I feel like when you're in the stadium, unless you're near booing fans, you don't really hear it as much. Oh, and then when you're outside of the stadium, you hear like when you're watching it on TV, I feel like it picks up more than it does when you're actually in the stadium. Because I feel like well, they booed one of the games I was there. I felt like they booed at Marseille. I feel I definitely feel like some like fans booed at Marseille. Not well, we're always losing at halftime. So the, 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 ch- the <laughs> well, chances we, are they that, booed at least once. That game we weren't even losing. It was like we went into halftime, but the first half performance was really bad. Like yeah, really, really bad. So I, I do feel like they booed that game and people talked about it. And I was like, I didn't even really hear it that much. Well, Kim, let me so, ask you this though, because I think the bigger conversation um is around Conte, his plans, his methods, and his gameplay. Um I feel like we're seeing instances and and inklings of it working specifically with the match against Liverpool yesterday. And obviously we are in our best form um, when Kulisewski is on the pitch. Does that, in your opinion, make for a successful method? Is this too much of a reliance on, on a couple of players? Um, And does Conte have it figured out or is there still um, reason to worry? with him at the helm i don't think there's reason to worry with conte at the helm overall because we can look at the team and we won't talk about this now but you can just look at where we can just upgrade 
on technical talent and just, you know, and, and that's the way you can incrementally make a team better. You can do the same things, but if you get better players to do the same things, you'll be a better team. So I feel like there are definite still holes in this team. There's the inability to have one person get hurt. And when that person gets hurt, we lose like 30% more games. Um, we we do need to sort of injury proof this team a little more. Mm, we we yeah. did it. We did a bit of a of that job in the summer. But as Conte said, this wasn't a one window operation. We were never going to fix everything in the summer. Um, we've been unlucky to have, like I say, three of our four top attackers actually be injured at the same time. Like that doesn't that happening is not something that you would say would happen in most years. So like having three of those three out of those four guys injured. Um, you know, we could have probably signed another guy to that, that could back up Kulisevsky, but at the time, you know, we did what we could. And like you say, in January, we go again. And if Conte is saying, don't look at this as like a one window operation, if he's saying this is a long-term project, he's saying that because he truly believes it. And I feel like maybe Conte showing that he might be the guy willing to take on a long-term project. And I feel like I feel like someone said this on another podcast. It might have been um, uh, the Athletic Football Podcast last week. They had. Wait, there are like other Conte's... Spurs podcasts besides this one? It wasn't a Spurs podcast. Oh, it's I was about to say. I, I didn't even, fo- I didn't even know there were any. It's the main Athletic Football Podcast. Oh, so okay. They talk yeah, about yeah. all the teams. They talk right, about yeah. all the teams. They talk about Conte's first year. And they said basically, like working in England, he's just. He just can worry about football. He doesn't have to worry about Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I did hear that one actually. <laughs> yeah, see, see, see. And I saw that's the kind of thing that if you, when you hear that, you're like, okay, so one, he has a lot less stress outside of work about just like life. He just goes to his hotel, he comes back to work, he goes to his hotel, he comes back to work. The facilities are great. Like he, he can't yep. really say anything about the facilities. So he's like, I'm at a top class place in terms of like what they're giving me in terms of what we can do on the pitch the thing that he probably is saying is i just need better players and yeah you guys will promise me better players and i think that you know they put down that money in the summer to show like we're gonna try and buy you better players and they still have some of that money to spend in january so i'm in general the conte i'm still on the conte train He's still my yeah, age. I'm definitely Conte in as well. I think all four of us are, unless uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Conte yeah, in for me, it definitely feels like he's on board. He's not going to put all his chips on the table right now because I think he he still wants to put pressure on the board for the January window. Um, and like you know, he has more leverage if he can hold out before he resigns. So it makes sense why he isn't doing it. Uh, but for me, I think the way that he talks about it being a long-term project um, feels to me like this is a project that I want to be able to work on. Y'all just got to give me the tools to do it. And if the money is spent in the ways that he wants, I don't see any reason why he would leave. He's 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 in a pretty decent position right now. Granted, the Premier League is only going to get harder. Newcastle's going to get better. United's going to get better. Um, and I do think that, you know, with Chelsea hiring Potter, their decline isn't going to be um, as rapid of a downfall as it might have otherwise been. 
So like it, it's top four is not going to be a foregone conclusion. And obviously Spurs know that we haven't made top four the past. Um, what was it? Two or three seasons before last one. So I do think like there is going to be some work to do, but I also feel like he rates himself and he, he trusts that he's going to be better than most other coaches in the league. If he has the tools that he needs, I also feel like he rates himself to be able to get us top four. Um, specifically, if he's able to get players that will buy into what he's talking about. Like, he trusts his own ability enough that I feel like if he gets what he needs, then then he'll stick around. Um, this is the Coys R Us podcast. As I said, this is episode 23. You can follow us on Twitter at Coys R Us podcast. Um, and let us know if you have um, any thoughts or ideas uh, for things that, that maybe we should or could discuss on future episodes. We would love to hear from you, and, and we love hearing from those of you who have been listening thus far. Okay, um, real quick, we've got two more matches before the World Cup break. Uh, Wednesday, which by the time you all are hearing this will be tomorrow, um, we've got an away game versus Nottingham Forest in the Carabao Cup, um, followed by our final Premier League match of the season before the break, um, which will be home versus Leeds United. So we know that Sun is out. Uh, we know that Richie's probably out. Um, when we look Romero at the Carabao Cup... Out. Yeah, Romero. Um <laughs> When we look at the Carabao Cup matchup on Wednesday, I'm very interested to to see how he plays it. I mean, uh, with only two more matches, you know, in theory, he could play a strong lineup on Wednesday and then just play uh, a strong lineup again versus Leeds. I have a feeling he's probably not going to do that just because he can afford to rotate. But again, Nottingham Forest is a Premier League team. It's it's not, you know, the Morecambe Shrimps. Bring on Jed Spence. Come on. Just let him, let so, him get a yeah, shot here. So that's so that's exactly where I was going to go, Ben. Like, who do you think should get a run out on Wednesday, considering, you know, it's not a Premier League match? Yeah, like I said, Jed Spence would be my number one uh, pick there. Um, Brian Hill. Yeah, Brian Hill. Do you Brian think there's Hill. any chance that he actually Give starts? me Brian now. <laughs> I I would. I, le- I really hope so. I really think. No, not Brian. I, I, think, I think Brian so, has Skippy. a chance. Do you think Spence actually starts? Yes, yeah, Skip. I I know zero percent chance. Spence I think it's starts. I'll, I'll go non-zero but doubtful. Questionable. I would win. Like I'm not 5%. saying what my heart, my mind is saying. There's no chance that he starts, but I, I think it's very starts. unlikely. Very unlikely. But it would be great to see him in there. Like you said, Hill, Skip. Um, I guess this is where you have to play Davidson, Davidson Sanchez at some point, right? Um. Uh, who else? Do, I'd, play, uh, I'd play Sus again. I'd probably play Sus again. Yeah, um, yeah. For me, for me, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a ton of opinions on every position, but I do feel like this is a great opportunity to play Skip, and a great opportunity to play Doherty. Um, so those are the two that I would definitely try to put into the lineup, and maybe this is a Lucas game. Even um, is any game a Lucas game? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about Lucas. Cold blooded. Um, you know how I feel about hey, Lucas. I, I think that, we all feel the same way about I, Lucas. It's like it's like I feel like all of us have been on like Joel has, was the last person on Lucas Island. Like you really were. 
You were the last person on Lucas. I was. You were all off Lucas like a while ago. <laughs> so just couldn't couldn't let go of the fact you. that he scored a hat trick in Amsterdam. <laughs> it's good to have you with us. It doesn't feel good. I hate being here. Um, <laughs> uh, we just we just need to upgrade on that position. Like that's just one clear place that you're like. We can upgrade on that. I am still a little surprised that we didn't get a backup for Kulisevsky. Like I, that was supposed to be Mora, I guess. That's why they didn't. So they were like trying the perfect to time get to get rid in. of Mora. No, I remember them trying to get someone in, and they were like, the, "If if Gil, if Brian Hill left, we would have like it was like we had to bring someone in for him to go." Him to, and leave, to me, yeah. it was it was that position. Like, and then we're just not using Hill to, anyway. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, well. Speaking of Hill, um, I know, I know Jesse definitely wants to see Brian on <laughs> on Wednesday. Um, are there any other additions other than other than your main your main man Brian Hill um, that that you're looking to see get a run out versus Forrest on, on Wednesday? If he's gonna like really rotate, then like maybe Tanganga because like that guy's still healthy. Like, he's healthy. I forgot he was just haven't seen him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't hate seeing the midfield <laughs> rotated a little bit more. Maybe, maybe have Biz as like the main dude, like the the captain of the midfield, and then, um, you know, give Rodrigo, give PH the day off, and maybe it's a like a skip and Basuma, TBD. I don't know who else, but like, uh, yeah. I mean, those are some of the the people I would think of. The but yeah, number one on the list is here. We have is Pape Mate Sar, and I don't think we'd play him. Yeah, him is and he, him and Spence are basically is he not. I thought he was on loan. <laughs> no, he's on the team. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. Yeah. What's the Poppy point Mata of keeping Sar- players like that? We don't. If we don't plan on playing them at all, what's why are we keeping the players? Because around? it's like I didn't want these guys. If anyway. guys get injured, if guys <laughs> so no, yeah, but you can you can always recall them from the loan. I know there's a fee to that, but still, I mean, you're paying their wages. Like, I feel like that, that would offset it or something. I think especially after COVID, like, you you kind of have to think worst case scenario. You know, it's like, what if 10 guys get sick? Then what? You know, um, I guess if you're Arsenal, you could just postpone the game for three months. But <laughs> in theory, I think a lot of teams, um, especially the ones that are more forward thinking, recognize that like you have to be able to fill out your roster and so i do think that guys like spence and tanganga and Papi matasar are really just there for like worst case scenario spots but it seems to me i mean we're a third through the season and conte has not really used any of them with any level of consistency granted this is going to be our first cup match outside of premier league and champions league so Maybe we see some rotation. Biggest surprise there. I really don't know skip, what to expect. Right? Like, why is Skip? Now? Yeah, I that is he, a player was... that I really do expect to start on Wednesday. Dang. Him and Doherty, for me, is are the ones. I, the rest of the positions, I have no idea what he's going to do. I would also, I would also start Forster. But I I'll also, yeah, it's not I, like, like I said, I, great or I just don't know that he's going to do that. Um, I, he seems to be very hesitant to rotate. So. I don't know what we're gonna see, but but I was like last year we had Galini and Galini did play in like cup matches for a while. <laughs> I mean that's true. I'm, so yeah, so that's true. That's a good point. I feel like we might do it. Uh, do we want to run through predictions real quick? Forced away. Yeah. Um, 
I can start. I'll go. Um, I'll go three one Spurs. Spurs win two to nothing. Got it. Um, I am gonna go three zero Spurs. This is against uh, Forest. 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 Yeah, I'm gonna go two nil. All right, and then we've got as our last match of the first portion of the season, um, home match versus Leeds United. Um, this is a team that has been <laughs> very strange and inconsistent, as Leeds often are. They are currently 12th in the Premier League. They're coming off of uh, a couple of wins. They came back to beat Bournemouth on uh, Saturday after being down 3-1. They ended up winning the game 4-3. Um, and they beat Liverpool in that <laughs> in that memorable uh, Liverpool collapse, which uh, they they lost to Leeds United. So, I mean, they have been pretty inconsistent. Um, the way that Leeds plays is usually uh, pretty inconsistent as well. Um, they've they've got the the American tie with uh, Aronson and, and Jesse March. Um, so I, I, I think uh, some of the American broadcasters on, on this side of the pond. What is Tyler been, Adams chop liver? They've been trying to push Leeds United as like the, 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 the USA team. I don't think it's really sticking, um, but they're, they're, they're going for it. This is a team that we should be beating, especially at home. Um, this is a team that also gives up a ton of goals. I mean, Bournemouth scored three, Fulham scored three. Yeah, he also twice. he also might have left, but uh, that that style did not. Brentford scored <laughs> five. I mean, they yeah they're they're giving up goals. I think that's the perfect team that I would like for us to play going into the break. I think it's really important to go into the break with a win. So I'm gonna go for a win here. I'm still not comfortable giving us a clean sheet, so I'm gonna say two one. I think we jump out to an early lead and then. Well, what am I kidding? We don't jump out to early leads. I'm just gonna say yeah, two. Really one. likely. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four one on this, just because leads lead, leave there. They uh, but they play wide open, and and with Decky back and playing this team, I feel like that's I, the first time in a while that I feel confident that we'll score. Not gonna knock on wood, but I think we'll score more than two goals. Um, and I think they can be a little bit dangerous. And as we've seen, our defense can be a little susceptible to some dumb plays or, uh, you know, just leaving ourselves a little wide open. So, yeah, I'll go 4 one Spurs. Yeah, I'm going to go 4-2. Uh, start out hot uh, against Southampton 4-1 and uh, end this part of the first half of the season hot against Leeds. And I'm picking the two because I want uh, both the Americans, uh, Brendan Aronson and Tyron Adams, to to put one past Lloris to build some confidence heading into the World Cup so the, the American boys can uh, can maybe get out of the group. Um, but Spurs will be relentless otherwise. It'll be 4-2, but it'll never be, uh, never be that close. Boot this man, please. <laughs> <laughs> please. Like, American bruh, pride. I, 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 you know, I, hey, I get it. <laughs> I I will say three one. I do think we give them a goal. Um, yeah, to an American uh, player, Cam. We're all happy. <laughs> uh, it can it can be. I actually I actually Rafinha think I do know the guy no, who will score gone, it. Man. No, um, they have this kid that's scored the, in the last three matches. His name is Somerville. He plays on the left. I think. Uh, I feel like he probably will get one. He's like scored winners for them. Um, but I do think it'll be three one. Um, 
hopefully another two Kulisevsky assists. I'll take three as well. You know, keep patting that bet now that he's back. Uh, I need him to catch up. He's five behind KDB. So a few Kulisevsky assists, please. I would love that too. My fantasy team has been has been waiting for Kulisevsky to return. Uh, so please give me some assists and goals. I would love that. All right, before we run, um, I, I did want to make sure that we mentioned the Champions League draw that came out earlier today. Um, we have been matched with AC Milan from Serie A. We will have the away leg in February, followed by the home leg in early March. Um, so just real quick, I just wanted to see what you guys' thoughts were. I know the last time we recorded, we were talking about, uh, you know, maybe it'll be nice to get a team like Club Bruges. Um, and it's funny because earlier this week before the draw, I was uh, in the group chat with with the rest of the, the podcast, and I was saying to you guys, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to have doubts about Club Bruges because it does feel like a, <laughs> that might be a trap matchup, um, especially the way that Spurs have, have started games this season. Um, it might be to our advantage to play a team that we fear a little bit so that we can actually start the game off on the right foot. Um, and I said, you know, maybe AC Milan, a team like that might be a little bit fun where it's not quite PSG, um, but it's a team that we'd have to get up for. And, and you know, and then you also get a trip to the San Siro. That'll be pretty cool, too. And that's exactly who we got. So I am I am excited about this matchup. I, I don't think it'll be easy, but I think I think they're beatable. Yeah, yeah I, I think they're honest. beatable. I think we all think the same thing that they're beatable, but it will be a tough matchup. Like this is the corner of this is the kind of tie that could go either way, and you wouldn't be surprised at either result. So yeah, I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think it, it'll uh Conte will like getting getting back to Italy for a quick one here. And um I think it's you know, like you like you said, it would have been I I pre- I would have preferred a uh easier draw, but as we saw with our with our group stage, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, even though we did yeah. end up pulling it off in the end. And I also but, feel like at this stage, there's there's not going to be anything easy. I mean, we could have got no. Porto. We could have got Benfica. Yeah. We could have got whoever. It, it, I'm glad we didn't get a super team, though. And I think it was you, Joel, that did. Or no, no, Jesse, I think you texted this earlier about um, there's some giants against each other. What is it? Uh, Bayern and uh, PSG. I'm trying to remember the matchups now, but there were a couple – big boys against each other which is what you want to see at this stage so it's not all minnows against the you know big fish at this point yeah and you've got so, uh, liverpool versus madrid as well and then there's like a quote-unquote again if you make it to the quarters you're a good team but um bruges versus benfica so you have a couple of giants that'll take each other out and then you'll have a guarantee of a at least on paper smaller team in the in the quarterfinals so it's, it's not, not a bad draw all told i wonder if if there's a, there's a podcast out there where um Benfica is talking about how Spurs might still be the, the small team left in the tournament. One hundred percent. And you know all the <laughs> no, AC Milan hilarious. podcasts right now are licking their chops. Are like, licking oh, their chops like Ooh, Spurs, Spurs? Oh, we're gonna just, smash they suck. them. <laughs> yeah. Even they call us Doctor. Like it'll it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Like I really, I am looking forward to it because I do, like you said, I do feel like it'll it'll make us play and hopefully, you know, we get some January editions and the team looks a little stronger. 
and has like when it's so far have... in the future right now too right like just like, last a while, week it's a while off you just never know we get to say we're in the champions league. league still for the next four months without having to play any games well, that's the thing and we don't even know what our roster will look like by the right. time that first leg rolls around point. so um yeah it's exciting stuff uh we will be back next week to wrap up the first portion of our season and uh, we can talk a little bit more about the January transfer window at that time. Until then, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs.